You're listening to Last Word Radio, where you, you get the last word. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Last Word Podcast show. I am your host for today, Stacey Carter II. I'm filling in for Jordan. Jordan, we need you back here quickly. <laughs> uh, with me, I have Mike. Mike, say what's up. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Glad to be back for another episode. And we also have Ben for today. Ben, say what's up to everybody. What's going on, people? Glad to be back. All right. Here we are once again. It's the NBA playoffs. The playoffs kicked off on Saturday, April 13th. But before we get to the playoffs, there are a couple of stories that's going on in the NBA right now that we must discuss. The first story. Um, So today, I'm going to step down as the president. And um, I think... I don't want to, her and I have such an amazing relationship, and I think that um, she gave me full power to do what I wanted to do, but I think that uh, with her and I, I want to always preserve our relationship and, and love her, and then I think that I had more fun when I was able to be the big brother and ambassador to everybody. Magic Johnson stepped down from the Lakers front office this week. What is your reaction to Magic Johnson stepping down from the Lakers front office? Mike, as the Lakers fan, let's start with you first. Uh, Well, as a Laker fan, let me tell you, when I got the tweet, the update that Magic Johnson is stepping down as president, I did not believe it when I saw it at first. So I was like, nah, let me just wait. But then Twitter erupted. Next thing I know, some of the Lakers reporters were going live with Magic Johnson. So I, I got mixed emotions about it. Very, very mixed emotions. Just the timing of it and all of that was just so random. Like, I have mixed emotions about it. That was my initial reaction to him stepping down from the job he just got, what, two years ago at this point? Ben, what do you think about Magic Johnson stepping down? Uh, I'd say it's probably a good move for uh, for both parties there. I think Magic made some some bad moves while he was president, you know, letting D'Angelo Russell go in a trade, letting uh, Brooke Lopez go this past season. Letting Julius Randle walk in free agency despite what, you know, people were telling him uh, in the Lakers front office and in the coaching staff. Uh, and I think the Lakers need a new face there. But I do think that Magic, you know, as, as a former star, definitely brought them some clout and uh, they might miss that. But, yeah, no, I think it's good for both sides. I believe that he said that he feels like that he done his job with the Lakers and Lakers can now build themselves into contenders from for next season and beyond. Do you guys think that Magic Johnson did all the right moves in order to place the Lakers into uh, NBA Finals contention? Mike, do you think so? Um, If I had a great Magic Johnson on his job done in L.A., I'd probably give him a C-plus on all the moves he made. Um, As far as are we better off than where we were um, before we hired him, of course, yes. Ultimately, you're the, the next president of basketball operation that comes in comes into a situation where you have LeBron James, so you have you have a superstar, you have cap room, you have flexibility, so you have the the ability to go out and change this roster and make it better. So 
Ultimately, a lot of, you know, insults have been thrown on Matt Johnson for the job he's done. But at the end of the day, the Lakers state is better off than where it was than when he came. The books are clear. They've gotten the bad contracts out of there. They signed nothing but one years last year. And even though that may have been detrimental to this season, it still leaves them flexible for this upcoming offseason and ability to make a change. So I, I, I appreciate the job that Magic Johnson did, even though he did have some mistakes. All right, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know, with, with with the young core that they've got and with LeBron, and if, you know, they can retain guys like KCP and Rondo, uh, I think they'll be in, you know, pretty good shape moving forward. And if they can, you know, get another superstar this offseason. And just about the D'Lo trade, I think, you know, now it looks bad because now he's really good and now he's doing well. He's leading his team to the playoffs. <laughs> But back then, I I thought it was a good move because D'Lo wasn't really he wasn't really doing much, you know, with the Lakers, and he exposed Swaggy P, and that was just bad for chemistry, made him look bad, and it was just a bad situation for him in L.A. So, I think people who who judge Magic for that trade uh, kind of have it wrong. I don't think I don't think there was much else for him to do there, honestly. Yes, I was just about to bring that up. Uh, in my opinion, I think that the D'Angelo Russell trade, the after effects, D'Angelo Russell stepping up this year, making big moves. He's set for a brand new contract, very lucrative deal. I think that kind of made Magic Johnson look bad a little bit. Mike, do you agree with, with that? Um, as far as D'Angelo Russell trade, I, I tend to side more with Ben. At the time of the trade, I actually had no problem with it. You did have a chemistry issue within the locker room. He was the new GM coming in, trying to, trying to, you know, set the roster to what he wanted it to be, as most new GMs would do. So I had no problem with moving D'Lo. It's easy to say it was a mistake in hindsight, but we could say that for a lot of things. You also got to remember in that trade, that was the trade that also moves Mozgov off the book. So it was a price to pay for getting rid of such a bad contract like that, but it was something the Lakers ultimately needed to do. Magic saw the opportunity to not only get rid of someone who at the time didn't seem mature enough to lead a locker room of men, and he also cleared the books of some unwanted money. So I, I, I don't judge him by that. I judge him by some other more smaller moves, not re-signing Brooke Lopez, maybe not working as hard to get Julius Randle back. I, I looked more towards those moves where I really judge Magic. But as far as the D'Lo trade, I have no problem with that trade at all. Even though D'Lo's playing good now, I mean, he went to a new place, got kicked out of L.A. What he, he had nowhere to go but up. So I have no problem with what Magic Johnson did as far as D'Angelo Russell. All right, cool. Now we're going to transition to another topic that involves the Lakers. And, Mike, I want to apologize to you. I'm sorry. I know you're probably hurting right now by all these moves that's going on with the Lakers. Hey man, it's it's a lot right now. It it, it took <laughs> it, it, it took me by firestorm. This has been a long weekend. Yes, it has. So moving on to the next topic, Luke Walton was ousted from being the Lakers head coach, and then quickly, rather quickly, he is now the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Is this a good move or a bad move for the Lakers letting go? Luke Walton. Let's start with that first. Ben, what do you think about Luke Walton being fired by the Lakers? Uh, I think I think he's a good coach. You know, he's usually smart with his lineups, and he seems to 
to relate well to the players. They they seem to like him. And uh, with that young, talented lineup in Sacramento, you know, you have De'Aaron Fox, you have Buddy Heald, uh, you have the Bogdanovich kid. Um, you know, I think he'll do really well there, and I think he can turn them into a contender, uh, which they were this season. But I think next year they're going to be a playoff team, uh, you know, with him there. All right, Mike, what do you think about the Lakers firing Luke Walton? Um, I kind of still saw it coming. You know, there was some whispers that maybe he would stay around once Magic Johnson stepped down. But at the end of the day, you know, we have LeBron James, and it was reported earlier this year that LeBron's camp wanted Luke Walton gone. They don't trust him. So if your superstar doesn't trust your coach, you don't get rid of the superstar nine times out of ten. You're getting rid of the coach. So was it a good move by the Lakers getting Luke Walton? Ultimately, when you look at it, yes, it, you have to look at it as a good move. LeBron didn't buy into what Luke Walton was teaching. This team isn't the same team that Luke Walton was brought in to deal with. You know, he was brought in to deal with mainly young guys and a young culture and trying to get them to play the right way. And that's what he did over his three years in L.A. Each year, a good a good mark of a good coach is the defense. The defense improved with each year that Luke Walton coached the Lakers. So I saw this coming just simply because LeBron didn't buy into Luke Walton. It was reported many times. So I think it's good to get a new coach in there. As far as him and looking at it from the Sacramento output, I think he'll be perfect there. He gets a, a team full of pretty much young players. And like Ben said, they have an, a young core, a nice young core of their own. They were on track to make the playoffs, fell off a little bit this year. So uh, I'm glad for him. I'm glad he's moved on. I think the Lakers needed to make the move that they did, and that's what ended up happening. Yes, I'm glad you brought up Luke Walton to the Kings again. Um Ben, I want your perspective on this. How do you think Luke Walton is going to do with the Sacramento Kings? Uh, I think he's going to do really well. You know, like I said before, he's, he's a good coach. And, uh, you know, he players seem to like him, other than LeBron, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they scooped him up quick. And I think, you know, there's good reason for that. He's a good coach. Do you guys think that the Kings will make the playoffs next year now that Luke Walton is their head coach? Um, well, for me personally, it's still kind of tough to say. Um, I think the eight teams that are in the playoffs right now will definitely be buying for that spot. As far as teams that missed the playoffs, yes, you do have the Kings there, but you also have the Lakers. You know, they do have LeBron. We do have a whole offseason to see what they do. So I think they'll be in contention. You have teams like Dallas who get a healthy Porzingis. Porzingis and a Luka Doncic back. So I think it'll be some tough competition. I think we'll see the Kings fighting for that AFC, to be honest. I don't think Luke makes them extraordinarily better. You know, I think he's a good coach. I think he'll make them better, ultimately. But AFC is where I see them fighting for next year. Yeah, no, I agree with Michael. I think, uh, you know, the teams he brought up, the, the, the Mavericks and the Lakers, depending on what they do this offseason, uh, going to be forced to be reckoned with in the West. And I'm not saying they're going to be you know, really good teams, but I think they are the kind of teams who can push the Kings out of the playoffs for sure. All right, let's bring it back a little bit, dial it back a little bit. You mentioned that LeBron's camp didn't like Lou Walton there as the head coach. Now, this is a fun little question here, and I've been pondering this for a minute, and I want you guys to answer this. Do you think do you think LeBron James is a toxic player? Mike, let's start with you. 
No, I, I don't think he's a toxic player at all. I just think there's a certain level of maybe excellence, maybe you want to put, that comes with having a star player like LeBron James. I don't think he's toxic. I just think the the level of what's expected for a team that has a superstar on the caliber of LeBron James is a lot higher. So things that you might be able to get with, with you know, maybe lesser talent all-stars or maybe in lesser markets, you're not going to be able to get away, especially with it in L.A., in the spotlight with LeBron. As people always say, when, you know, LeBron teams wins, he gets all the credit. And when they lose, his teammates usually get the most blame. It's just tougher to deal with that with being around LeBron James. But I don't want to use the word toxic to describe him at all. I don't I don't think that that is it. I just think it's just a level of excellence people expect. Then what do you think? Is LeBron James a toxic player? I think it depends on on uh, who he's playing with. You know, to me, I don't think he's toxic. But to some players, you know, they don't want to play with him. Maybe not because he's toxic, but like Michael said, because of all the attention that he brings, just because you know he is LeBron James. Like people are saying, Kawhi doesn't want to go to the Lakers because he's just not that type of player. Yeah. So to to Kawhi. LeBron or playing with LeBron might be toxic, but you know, to other players who who kind of thrive in that attention and in that environment with LeBron, and you know, they they like having those expectations on them. Uh, I think that's the the best thing for them to play with LeBron. Uh, but I think it is tough for some people. But no, I would I would not use the word toxic to describe LeBron. All right, all right. Moving on to a couple of storylines that came out the first wave of action in the NBA playoffs. We're going to go to Philly. We're going to talk about the 76. And, uh, uh, I just looked down because he said that uh, his daughter was uh, extremely sick and he was checking on her. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I, I just looked, and, uh, uh, but uh, he was checking on his daughter. She's, uh, she's, she's sick. 76ers player Amir Johnson was caught on camera on his phone while he was on the bench while the 76ers were losing the game. Joel Embiid was looking at his phone, at Amir Johnson's phone as well. Now, post-game interview, Embiid said that Amir Johnson was checking on his extremely sick daughter, but Amir Johnson was also fined for conduct detrimental to the team. Is this an overreaction of Amir Johnson looking at his phone, checking on his sick daughter? Ben, let's start with you. Do you think that this is getting overplayed in the media? Well, I don't really know the details of the fine, like how much money it is. And I also don't know if Embiid is telling the truth about why he was, about why, you know, Amir was checking his phone. Either way, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. You know, it's normal to be fed up with a game uh, where your team is playing poorly, as the Sixers clearly were. Uh, you know, Ben Simmons was getting booed by his home crowd uh, at the free throw line. But it is obviously bad to get caught being on your phone. But I don't necessarily blame him for being on his phone. I think maybe finding him, finding him might be necessary for the organization to save face. And it might be just a small fine. Again, I don't know how much they're fining him. But I don't think him being on his phone is that big of a deal. 
Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal either, especially if his daughter is very sick. You know, as a father, I'm not a father, but if I put myself in his shoes, I would want to check on my daughter, see how, how she's doing. You know, that is something that would cross my mind during the game. Now, we all have jobs here, and we all check our phone every now and again during our job, you know, to check on things, what's going on in our life. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, and I don't think that he should get fined if this is the case. Uh, Mike, what do you think about Amir Johnson being on his phone during the game? Um, I agree with both of you. I think social media took this and played it and overreacted to it. I mean, it was just a matter of the camera catching him the wrong time. I'm sure guys on the bench check their phones all the time. And if they don't, you know, I understand that. And in the light of things, it didn't look good. The Sixers are getting blown out. You know, everybody's expecting them to win their first home game. But it's definitely a big overreaction. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Embiid is lying. I wouldn't want to accuse anybody of lying, especially when it comes to something as sensitive as kids and being sick and things of that nature. So... I really think people are really blowing out of proportion. Yes, the camera caught him. Yes, he was on his phone. Embiid looked down for two seconds, looked up, and now everybody's saying, oh, he's not concentrated on the game, blah, blah, blah. I, 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 I don't believe in all that. So, yeah, definitely an overreaction. I have no problem with it. He got fined because it's against the NBA's code of conduct to be on your phone on the bench, and I understand that. I'm sure he understands the fine with it. He'll take it and move on. But, yeah, definitely a big overreaction to that. Yeah, and I think that shows great character out of NB, great leadership for him sticking up for his teammate, knowing that he is the one of the lead dogs in the locker room, and he's sticking up for Amir Johnson. Now, uh, here's a side question to go off this situation. Um, Philly, tough crowd, huh? Tough, tough crowd. Oh. <laughs> Booing their team. And I'm pretty sure you guys read about what Ben Simmons had to say about that. So, what do you think of Philly booing the semi-sippers, Ben? What do you think? Uh, well, I'm from Toronto, and I'm a Raptors fan. And I always <laughs> see all these American teams, you know, their home crowds boo them. The Celtics boo their team. The, or, like, the Celtics fans boo the Celtics. The Bulls fans boo the Bulls. We never boo the Raptors in Toronto, no matter how badly they're playing. So I, that's not something I can relate to. Uh, obviously, you're disappointed if your team's not playing well. But I, I don't get it when, you know, home crowds boo their team. doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, I agree with what, you know, Ben Simmons had to say. Mike? Um, play better. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. The Sixer fans, yes, they're tough. But I mean, you you knew what it was when you when you got signed to go to the Philadelphia Sixers, and that that fan base expects more out of you in the uh, home opening of the playoffs, and that's just how I feel. And as a player, you're gonna you're gonna get booed at some point in your life, and I feel like being Ben Simmons at some point he's been booed in his life. I'm sure at some point he's really he's received some negative types act towards towards him done while he's been playing basketball, but. Ultimately, I think if you look at the Sixers and you look at what happened, can you really be proud? Can you really be mad at the crowd for the way they reacted with the way the Sixers played? I don't think you can. The Sixers didn't play up to par, and their their home debut in the playoffs this year was really underwhelming. So play better, and that won't happen. You know, I I I don't feel him 
telling the crowd to oh, go stand on the other side, blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, man, <laughs> it's the playoffs. It's Philly. What did, what did you expect? I, I, I think we expected more from the Sixers and definitely that Philly crowd expected more from their home team. So I had no issue with the booing. Ben Simmons is mad. That's okay. We'll see what he does when he comes out in game two to try to rectify the situation. Ben Simmons, don't let your emotions get the best of you. You know, it's going to happen. Philly is one of the toughest fan bases in, in all sports, all form and fashion. So you just got to keep playing your game. And like Mike said, just keep playing better. Uh, let me bring up somebody that might be getting booed soon. Ben, Kyle Lowry. Oh, man. Kyle Lowry did it again in the, <laughs> in the opening game against the seven seed. Orlando Magic, Kyle Lowry went 0 for 7. 0 for 7. Not one single shot made, not one single point. And also the Toronto Raptors dropped their game to Orlando Magic. Now they're down 1-0. So, Ben, we're going to start with you since you're the uh, Raptors fan. What do you make of Kyle Lowry's performance? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, I wasn't able to watch the game, you know, I was at, you know, like a school function, but uh, you know, I, was, I was following the score closely and I, when I saw they lost, I wanted to throw my phone on stage. That's, that's just, that's just embarrassing. I didn't expect the Raptors to lose, honestly, more than one game in this series and the way it's looking right now, you know, with the Raptors only having one game at home before, before having two in Orlando, it doesn't look good. It Maybe Raptors in six, who knows? But uh, you know, I think Lowry's gonna bounce back. The narrative that Lowry gets worse, you know, in the playoffs is I think largely over exaggerated. Uh his stats postseason and regular season are pretty much the same. Uh, you know, we were talking about in the, the last run on Hoops writer group chat yesterday. And so yeah, there's there's that, but then I think last night or the other night he he affected the game in in other ways, aside from scoring, as he always does, he had eight assists and seven boards. That's not a, that's not an excuse for him. I think we, of course, we would have won if he had, you know, shot better. Zero for seven is embarrassing. He had some turnovers too, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't really worry me. The series doesn't really worry me. But yeah, no, that first game pissed me off. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Mike, what do you think of uh, Kyle Lowry's performance in the first game? <sighs> well. I remember a couple weeks ago on one of the shows we were talking about Lowry in the playoffs and what will happen. Like Ben said, I think it is a little overstated, but this did not help his case at all to go 0 for 7 on a night where your team only loses by 3. Ultimately, though, looking at it, I'm I'm not too mad at Kyle Lowry. 0 for 7 is horrible. Let's Let's be honest. Being a starting point guard in the league, Kyle Lowry, I think, made, what, the seventh most money in the league this year? You Makes can never lot, put up yeah. zero points in a playoff game. I don't care what other stats you have. You should never have zero points. He was like, what, 0 for 2 from the free throw line? Yeah, it was a bad night for Kyle Lowry, but I definitely expect him to bounce back as far as the Raptors losing that game. I don't think it's all on him. I, I think at the end, honestly, I think Mark Gasol blew that coverage that gave Augustine a wide open three. I think he should have stepped up and closed out on that. So I don't want to say Kyle Lowry at the end of the day was the reason they lost. You know, they also uh, only shot like 64% from the free throw line. So 
missed five free throws. It doesn't sound like a lot, but they only lost by three. So I don't think he was the sole reason why they lost, but going 0 for 7 definitely doesn't help his case. And um, I really, uh, he better step up next game because it's it's looking like Kyle Lowry is soon going to be a trade piece if he doesn't start stepping up his game more. So, yeah, I don't blame him for the whole loss, but it's tough. That 0 for 7 is tough to look at on the box score. Yeah, for sure. I think I think you guys are letting Kyle Lowry off a little bit easy. <laughs> like, like he is the sole reason why they lost the game. I mean, come on now. You you're making all this money here and you already know what you need to do, because everybody knows that when you get in the playoffs, you always turn cold, and then you come out in the first game and you go 0 for seven. 0 for, 0 for seven. seven. Mm. And, and and they only lost by how many points they lost by? Three. They only lost by three points. Make two shots. Two shots. Two or three shots, and your team will win the game. Now, uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, Kyle Lowry is the key for the Raptors to win. I expect Kawhi Leonard to play great. He always plays great. He's always consistent and all that. But Kyle Lowry has to play well also. He has to almost match Kawhi Leonard in order for the Raptors to win the championship. I don't think they can win the championship if Kyle Lowry plays poorly like he did in the first game against the Orlando Magic. He is the key. So if you want to win a championship in this league, you got to have two players that's going to be there and that's going to step up when you need it. So let's pose this question right here. Can the Raptors win a championship with Kyle Lowry playing poorly? Mike, let's start with you. Oh, no. no, not 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 at all. The Kyle Lowry can't play poorly if the Raptors are going to win a championship uh, point blank period. Um, Again, 0 for 7. Do we really expect to see that from Kyle Lowry again? I don't think so. Like Ben said, his his uh, regular season stats compared to his postseason stats are about the same. So I think this was just an anomaly. You know, he, he just had one of those nights where he couldn't find the bucket. And, again, like I said, he did affect the game in other places. He did have seven rebounds. He did have eight assists. He did have the highest plus or minus of anybody on the Raptors while still going 0 for 7. So, I again, I don't think he was the sole reason. But if the Raptors are going to win a championship, he needs to be playing at an all-star level, period. No way. No way. If, if Lowry, for whatever reason, doesn't bounce back from that, and if he keeps on playing poorly, then there's no chance the Raptors are even going to make it out of the Eastern Conference, much less win a championship. And not only, I, th- I think he should be shooting more than seven shots. Obviously, if you're cold, uh, you kind of stop shooting at some point and start facilitating more. But as, as their starting point guard and as the, you know, the three-point shooter that he is, I think he needs to be shooting more than seven shots in a game. But I get it if he's cold. Uh, but moving forward, I need to see more more scoring out of him for sure. Yeah, uh, that that number was surprisingly low for me. Just seven shots. If it, in that situation, you should just try to take the ball into the hole. Just try to drive it in. Try to get yourself going. And try to get yeah. yourself more free throw opportunities. So that way you can have the confidence to make that eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh shot. Mike, do you think he should have took more than seven shots, even though he went 0 for 7? Um, 
I think it just kind of depends on the flow of the game. I can't say, oh, he only took seven shots. That's why they lost. But we had Kawhi Leonard going off. You had Siakam going off. Toronto has a lot of options. You have Gasol there. You have Van Fleet coming off the bench who was, you know, doing a good job on offense. So I have no, I don't have an issue with the amount of shots he took. At the end of the day, I agree with you. He should have been more aggressive. If if he goes in one night and comes out five for seven, but has 10 assists, 10 rebounds, and they get a win, you know, we're not sitting here complaining about how many shots he didn't take. Because, you know, sometimes my problem is I don't want him taking too many shots. So I don't really have a problem with that. There was just a noticeable lack of aggression, and he was missing wide-open shots. So he felt like the best way for him to go about the night was to try to get other people involved, which I agree. I don't think, as far as pecking order, as far as on offense, with Kyle, I think Kyle Lowry should be maybe the, the third option on that team at best if you got Kawhi Leonard and then Siakam's averaging 17, and you even got Gasol in the starting lineup now. So I don't really think his shot attempts really made a big difference on me. It was just more of a lack of aggression and a lack of ability to hit the open shots he did get. All right, let's all move on to our segment, The Hot Takes. It's about to get a little warm in here. We're going, <laughs> going to do our hot takes. So, Ben, I'm going to let you take it over. What do you have for us today? All right, all right. First hot take. Uh, this comes courtesy of ESPN. As you know, many of our hot takes have been coming from. Uh, so, on, on Instagram, uh, ESPN had... Giannis Atetokounmpo as their MVP over James Harden. I don't really have anything to say about that other than James Harden is my unanimous MVP. Back to back, he deserves it. And I don't think Giannis is getting it. What do you guys think about that? Uh, Michael, we'll start with you. Um, I have no problem with that hot take from ESPN. I have recently switched ships on MVP. I have moved over to the Giannis ship. I know it's... It's like flipping a coin at this point. Both guys have been great. But really, when I looked at it, I just tried to take my bias out because I'm a big James Harden fan. And I was a big guy. The year Russell won MVP for averaging a triple-double for the first time, I was a big guy saying Harden should have won it, not only because of his stats, but because of team success. So at the end of the day, using that logic for this year, I have to look at a team success. And the Bucks are the number one seed. They are the best record. They are top five in offense and defense. So I agree with ESPN. I think Giannis is ultimately going to win the MVP at the end of the day. If Harden was to win it, I'd have zero issues. But I agree with them. I think Giannis is going to take home the award. Wow. Okay. All right. Stacy, what do you think? Come on now. Come on now. James Harden is the MVP. I know Giannis, onto the Kumbo, fantastic player, but led the Bucks to the number one seed this year overall in the NBA, but James Harden is on another level. He finished with a 36 points per game average and seven assists. The first player to do so, you cannot skip past him the MVP. That, it, it'll be like when when Steve Nash won those two MVPs over Kobe. Right? It, it, it don't make that much sense. I, James- I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it's that quite of a discrepancy between the two. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's just, I mean, these stats that he put up this year has been unworldly. He had like 30, 31 straight games with at least 30 points. I mean, who, who has done that this year? It has to be, it has to be James Harden. It has to be James Harden. 
And for me, it's not even just the points for, for James Harden. It's the defense, the steals. Yeah. As I'm pretty sure, Michael, you brought up a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then, so no, it was Jordan. Sorry. As the, the steals, he's getting assists. He's getting rebounds. I don't know. For me, it's James Harden easy. But I respect your opinion. I was telling my coaching staff, I still think Steph Curry is one of, is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I don't even know how that happens. Uh, but he is. He's taken for granted. Um, and all I know is when he's on the floor, he is a handful, and he makes them better in so many ways. You know, um, he was one of the best rebounders today. Um, you know, he just does everything. He's a great player. Uh, so we're going to move on to the next hot take. Uh, Doc Rivers, post-game, uh, Warriors-Clippers game one said that Steph is one of the most underrated players in the league. And to that, I have to say that Steph is most definitely not underrated because most people have him in their top five all-time point guards, if not top three. Uh, Stacy, what do you think about that? Um, Him being underrated, I would agree with that to a certain extent in a historical context. I don't think many people put... Steph Curry is one of the greatest players to play in the NBA. Uh, I think he gets left out of that conversation a lot for some odd reason, maybe because he's he's winning all the time. And I, I don't really don't know, but from a historic standpoint, yeah, he's underrated. I don't know why he's not ranked higher on everybody's list as far as being one of the greatest players to play all time. Unlimited shooting range, got great handles. Led the Warriors to three championships, was part of the process of them being this dominant, building this dynasty to this day. So from that standpoint, I do think he's uh, a bit underrated and a bit unappreciated as well. All right. Michael. Um, I, I kind of agree with Stacy. I think he's underrated to an extent. Um, a lot of people like to downplay Steph Curry during the season. And it's honestly, it's because they have KD now. But if you go look at the finals two years ago, Steph Curry averages, what, 27, 9, and 8, almost averages a triple-double. No one says much. Last year, 27, 7, and 8. No one says much. I, people are already considering Steph Curry and their top fives of point guards all the time, like like uh, Stacey already said. But I still think during the season, you know, people don't give him a lot of credit. They don't realize how much defenses have to really game plan for him, how he opens up everything for the Golden State Warriors. So I think he is underrated to a certain extent, but by the end of his, by the end of his career, I know he won't, he'll be right where he should be as far as rankings. Where do you guys have Steph in, in your, in your all time point guards? Hmm. He is definitely creeping up. He's definitely no lower than top four for me right now. No lower than that. Yeah, I have him like top five. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, same. I might even have him in my top three. I don't know. I can't think of too many better than him. Uh, Well, that's it. That's it for me for the hot takes. Uh, More like lukewarm this week, apparently. But uh, (laughs) let's uh, let's let's move on to the uh, playoff prediction, Stacey. All right, thanks, Ben, for those hot takes of the week. Now let's go on to the main focus of the NBA world, which is the playoffs. About time. Yes, yes. Playoff season is here, and it started Saturday, April 13th. 
We have great matchups in both the Eastern and Western Conference. So we're going to go through each matchup. We're going to give our predictions, and we're going to tell you why we feel that team is going to make it out the first round. Let's start with the Eastern Conference, and in my opinion, probably the easiest take of all of these games, the number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks going against the Detroit Pistons. The Bucks are up one zip right now. They dominated the Pistons in the first game. Uh, Mike, who do you have winning this series, and then how many games and why? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Give me the Bucks. Give me that in a sweep, <laughs> and because they're better in every facet of the game. Um, Blake Griffin's hurt. I didn't know he was going to not be playing today. And I definitely noticed when I checked the score and they, cause they were already up by 20. So yeah, Bucks sweep over the Pistons in the first round. All right, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I've got the Bucks in four. That's not really a question to me, but, uh, I think it will be a bit more competitive once Blake's back, you know, if he, if he plays in the next game, but I don't think he's going to make up, what was it, almost a 40-point difference. Right. What was the game, like 35 points? Uh, I, don't, I don't think Blake can close that gap by himself. I've got the Bucks sweeping sweeping the Pistons. Yeah, if he comes back, he might close that gap to about um, 25 20. Points. <laughs> 20. <laughs> yeah, Bucks, Bucks, brooms out, get them brooms out, sweep all the way. Uh, let's move on to the 4-5 and five matchup. Pretty interesting matchup we have. The four seed Boston Celtics going against the five seed Indiana Pacers. The Celtics won the first game, 84-74, kind of an ugly score. Um, I have the Celtics. I know Jordan going like this. I have the Celtics winning in seven games. I think it's going to be a tough series. They're going against the Pacers, who have the number one rated defense in the NBA, only giving up 104 points per game around that area. So, Ben, uh, who do you have, Celtics? Pacers. Uh, you know the Pacers. The Pacers surprised me today. Uh, they were winning for a good chunk of the game, but second half, Celtics took over. Uh, Al Horford, Kyrie, both had good games, and uh, you know that the, the Pacers have time. The Pacers have their home court advantage come you know game three, game four, and I think they could win at least one of those games. But I still have I have the Celtics in five. I think the difference in talent is just too overwhelming without Victor Oladipo in the matchup. Mike? Um, I, I agree with Ben. I have the Celtics winning that uh, four games to one, five games. Um, Celtics have way too much talent, like you just said. Um, but I think we saw that today. Pacers were playing really hard in the first half, close game, third and fourth quarter. Celtics go on that run. They've got too many options. Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, give me the Celtics in five games over the um, Pacers. All right, moving on to the two versus seven matchup. We discussed this a little bit already. We have the two seed Toronto Raptors going against the seven seed Orlando Magic. The Magic won the first game. They're up 1 0. Despite them winning the first game, can Toronto pull this off? Uh, Mike, who do you have, Toronto or Orlando? So I initially made my prediction before any games happened, before that total blunder happened that the Raptors gave up and already lost the first game. But I'm going to stick with my prediction, even though I didn't expect them to lose. I still have the Raptors in five games, 4-1 over the Magic. I'm going to stick with it. That's my prediction. I think the Raptors are just better than them in every facet of the game. Now, we saw the Magic were able to keep up because DJ Augustine went off. And it doesn't help. Like like we said, Kyle Lowry didn't provide much on the offensive end. 
But I don't think he'll have another showing like that. I think the Raptors, that was an eye-opener for them, seeing the Magic claw their way back and win that game right at the buzzer. I think that's going to be an eye-opener. Um, I don't I don't think they're going to take them lightly anymore. I think they're going to really execute their game plan. I mean, outside of Lowry, everybody else kind of had their way on the offensive end, whether it be Siakam, whether it be Kawhi Leonard. Danny Green was playing great. So I think next game we're going to see them come out, guard uh, Augustine with Danny Green right off the rip, and I think they're going to put a stamp and win four in a row in this series. Yeah, um, I had the Raptors winning four games to zero, but obviously I'm going to be wrong about that. But <laughs> but I, they're going to win the series overall. I do think that first game was an anomaly. Uh, I expect Kyle Lowry to play better. And the Raptors, they will move on. I don't think they have that much to worry about. Uh, usually in the, game, in the first game of the opening round in the NBA playoffs, the underdog always come out the hardest. They always come out swinging, and it takes little time for the top teams to adjust. So, I have the Raptors. They're going to win in five games. Ben, who do you have? Yeah, no, I have the Raptors in six at the most. Uh, I'm going to stick to my guns. I wrote an article about this for uh, for last word, and I said five. I'm going to say five tentatively. I think the Magic might win one at home, but, uh, you know, I agree with – Michael with the four games in a row. I don't think DJ Augustine and the Magic in general are going to play that well again. Right. They were, they were hitting threes at an unreal clip, uh, you know, Augustine in particular. And I don't think that's going to happen again. And at the same time, I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to play that poorly again. Uh, so, Raptors in five. All right. And moving on to the final first round matchup in the Eastern Conference, we have. The number three seed, 76ers, going against the six seed, Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are all 1-0, surprisingly to some. Ben, who do you have in this matchup? I love the Nets. The Nets are, just because of how much fun they have, they're kind of becoming one of my, you know, close to the Raptors' second favorite teams uh, in the league just because of how much fun they have you know, on the bench, on the court. Uh, Delo's fun to watch. Their team in general is fun to watch. Uh, they just have a cool underdog story. So I would like them to win, and I'm glad they won the first game. But I have the 76ers and 7 just because, like I said about the Pacers-Celtics, uh, the difference in talent there is just too much. You know, Delo obviously is talented. Karis LeVert is talented. Spencer Dinwiddie's talented. Joe Harris can wet it up from three, but, uh, you know, on the Sixers, you have Joel Embiid, you have uh, you have Ben Simmons, you have guys like now Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler, who Jimmy played really well in that ser- in that first game. Uh, I have the Sixers winning in seven. All right, got Sixers winning in seven. All right, Mike, who you got? Uh, Sixers in seven me and ben have the same prediction um i think the sixers talent like ben said will ultimately overcome the nets um in the first game tobias harris only had four points ben simmons had nine reddick had five do i do i think they'll do something like that again i would hope not you know seeing it is where the sixers are this year so i'm gonna take them in seven but i'm picking seven because the nets are very good and i think one of the things that uh, they have an advantage over the Sixers is, is bench play. 
with Dinwiddie and um, Karis LeVert coming off the bench for the Nets, that's a lot of points for them. Uh, I think LeVert had 23 and Dinwiddie had like um, 19 or 20 last game, but that's that's a big boost coming off their bench, and I don't trust anybody on Philly's bench as much as I trust those two to score. So I think that'll be a big test for them. But ultimately, when you have guys like Jimmy Butler and Embiid and Tobias Harris, all guys who average well over 20 points, there's no way you should be losing to the Nets in the first round of playoffs. But I do think the Nets are that can get that hot that they're going to make it interesting. So I think it's going to go down to seven. I'm going to pick the Sixers. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets surprised us. That's that's my upset alert for the first round, the Sixers. But, um, yeah, I'm going to stick with my prediction. Uh, Sixers over Nets in seven. Listen, I had the uh, Sixers over Nets in six games as well. Uh, I wrote an article about this matchup. It's going to be a hard-hitting series. This is going to be a hard-hitting series. Despite the differences in record, these two teams are actually pretty close to each other. Uh, both of them average a nice amount of points. Um, the Sixers have that advantage. They have scored three more points per game than the Nets. Uh, both of them give up 112 points per game. So it's going to be real close. And also in the regular season, these teams took two games apiece in, a, in the four-game regular season series. But the 76ers, they have way too much talent to not get out the first round. Way too much talent. They are, in my mind, the dark horse of the Eastern Conference. Would you guys agree with that? Um, but I picked them as the dark horse in the East. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that looking at everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the Sixers are going to do well. Uh, they're playing likely, you know, if they both get out of the that first round matchup, They'd be playing the Raptors in the second round, which will definitely make for an interesting series. But like Michael said about the bench, their bench is literally non-existent after they traded away all their, you know, all their bench players. So I don't expect them to make it too far, but they're a good team for sure. Dark Horse might be stretching it for me, uh, but no, they're a good team for sure. All right, now moving on to the Wild Wild West. Let's look at those four different matchups in the Wild Wild West. Um, we have the defending champions, Golden State Warriors, going against the Los Angeles Clippers. The Warriors are up one game to zero. I have the Warriors in the sweep. There is no way that the Clippers can match up with them. Sorry, Clipper Nation. It's not going to happen. Uh, ben, who do you have, Warriors or Clippers? Yeah, easy sweep for the Warriors. I don't expect the Warriors to lose uh, until they play the Rockets. Not even just... I'm not talking about a series here. I'm not. I'm talking about a game. I don't expect the Warriors to lose a game until they play the Rockets. Uh, they're just too good. And I think maybe it, it's happened before. They were slacking in the regular season. Now they've got everyone healthy. They've got Boogie. They've got KD. They've got Clay. They've got Draymond. They've got Steph Curry. I mean, each of those guys I named is an all-star. So... Yeah, no, Warriors in four against the Clippers, no question. All right, Mike? Uh, easy. 4-0 Warriors sweep. Clippers, you lucky you even made it here. My Lakers had a rough season. Uh, <laughs> that's about it. That's all I got to say on that. Warriors going to go ahead and sweep them on out of here. All right, here's a bonus question here. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, this is, a, this is his first go-around in the playoffs with the defending champion Golden State Warriors. How... 
do you think he will play? Uh, ben, let's start with you. Let's uh, rate the Marcus Cousins. I, uh, I think, on the Kings and on the Pelicans, he was really good for a reason because there wasn't, there wasn't too many people around him that were fantastic. And now he's surrounded by good players who eat up, you know, the, the stats that he could be getting. But he's had some solid games for Golden State. I don't know. I don't think he's he's the most key player for them. I think they have other guys who can step up and take over a game. But I think, sure, he's important. He's their starting center. He's a good player. Uh, that's really all I have to say. All right, Mike? Um, I think he'll have an okay in his uh, playoff debut. I think he'll have an okay uh, playing time. Um, first game was, was average, nine points, nine rebounds. He had four assists, but uh, he fouled out. It was only 4-12. That's expected. But, I mean, like Ben said, he plays for the Warriors now. So, if he plays average – most likely they won by 20. So if he plays great, you know, you can kind of just judge it from there. So I think this is a perfect spot for DeMarcus Cousins to really show some teams how his game has improved and that he's healthy. And I think he'll be okay. I think right now, I think now, right now in the playoffs, teams are looking at him and they're, they're, his contract is actually about to get made out with this right now, how he performs. And I think he'll be all right with them. It, it's hard not to look, decent you know when you got Steph Curry Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant around you all you got to do is really not mess up so hey he's an NBA player he's an all-star I think he'll be fine all right and let's move on to the next matchup I think Ben might have gave away his answer a little bit we're going to uh look at the Rockets and the Jazz the four and the five matchup who do you have in this matchup Mike Rockets or Jazz Oh, I have the Rockets winning this series in six. Um, the Jazz were one of the best defensive teams in the league this year, as they were last year. But at the end of the day, I don't feel, in my opinion, that the Jazz have nearly enough scoring enough to keep up with the Rockets. The Rockets have Harden, who can give you 30 any night. They have Chris Paul. They have Eric Gordon, who's a quick 30. For me, the Magic, they have Donovan Mitchell. And then after that, you can flip a coin who's going to be the next highest scorer that night. So... I like, I, excuse me, the Jazz. I like the Jazz. I, I think they're very good. They're going to make it very tough. You got Rudy Gobert in the middle. You got Joe Ingles. You got all types of role players. But I think the Rockets will win this series four games to two and move on to play the Warriors. Yeah, I think they'll win in six or seven. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think. Um, the Looking at the stats comparing both teams, the Jazz are, are close to the Rockets. The Jazz are very close. And they do have Rudy Gobert manning down in the middle. Donovan Mitchell, he can go on a hot streak at any time. But the reason why I'm picking the Rockets is because the one person and one person only. And I think we all know who that is. <laughs> but I think the key for the Rockets will be Chris Paul. If Chris Paul is on, then the Rockets are almost unstoppable. Uh, ben, who do you have, Rockets or Jazz? Yeah, I, I swear we didn't coordinate our answers tonight, but I also have the Rockets in six. I feel like we've been saying a lot of the same stuff. Uh, we're just synchronizing, man. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I know. Like both you guys said, James Harden is just too much for the Jazz. And I like the Jazz. I like Donovan Mitchell. I like Joe Ingles. He kind of looks like an uncle. Uh, and he's out here hooping with the best of them. But, 
Uh, you know, I, I have respect for the Jazz, but I don't I don't expect them to push it past six. Rockets and six. All right, now before we move on to the next matchup, um, if the Warriors win and the Rockets win, they will meet each other in the second round, which sounds crazy to me. Uh, yeah. Do you think? Let's make a little prediction here. Do you think the winner of the Western Conference will come out of that matchup? Mike, what do you think? Um, yes. Whoever wins, basically the conference finals will be in the second round. Whoever wins between the Warriors and the Rockets are going to the NBA finals, in my opinion. Those are the two best teams in the West. Those are two teams in the West that have the best players. Definitely is going to be one of those two teams in the NBA finals. By the way, while we're speaking on it, the Rockets are beating the Jazz 106 to 86 right now in game one. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah definitely I, I agree with that. It's gonna be either the Rockets or the Warriors in the finals. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, it's not even gonna be the Rockets or the Warriors in the finals. It's gonna be the Warriors in the finals. Uh they're just too overpowered. It's that simple. I think the Rockets can push it to seven again. I think they had a good chance last year. But you add Boogie and you add, you know, the season that that the Warriors have been having compared to the Rockets, despite James Harden being crazy and despite, you know, Chris Paul being healthy this year. I think the Warriors are just winners and that's it. I think they they kind of forgot what it's like to lose. And that's why, you know, that, that confidence and that experience, I think, you know, takes them over the edge against the Rockets. All I have to say about that is, Chris Paul, please stay healthy. Please. Not not get hurt, please. We we need you in there. I agree. He does not I do not want to see him hurt again. I do not. All right, let's uh move on to the two and the seven matchup. We have the two seed Denver Nuggets, and we have the seven seed San Antonio Spurs. This is kind of like the inexperience going against the Grizzly Vets in this matchup. Uh, Mike, who do you have? The Nuggets or the Spurs? I have the San Antonio Spurs beating the Denver Nuggets four games to two. I think they're going to beat them on the road, which will be even worse Virginia for Denver, who's an excellent home team. But I think you just kind of gave the answer away to people already. Inexperience. I think the Spurs have Greg Popovich, so they have a better coach. I think they have DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, who are proven playoff guys who've been there, who've been around the league. And then when you look at uh, when you look at Denver, something about I just don't know who I can trust every night to be that closer. They have lots of guys, but looking at their game against San Antonio the other night, Jamal Murray was eight for twenty-four. Jokic only had a triple double, but he only had ten points. So I just don't see them having a closer. I think I think the the, the best closers in the series you. I mean, you could argue one, two are on the Spurs when you have DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. So I'm going to take the veteran team. I'm going to take those proven guys. I'm going to take Greg Popovich. Four games to two, upset in the first round. All right, Ben, who do you have? Yeah, I've also got the Spurs for the exact same reasons both you guys said. Uh, they have the experienced lineup. They have Greg Popovich, who's just, if we're talking about winning coaches... The first person who comes to my mind and a lot of people's minds is Greg Popovich. I don't, th- I don't think they lose this series to, you know, uh, admittedly a more talented Denver Nuggets team with Jamal Murray, with Nikola Jokic, uh, with, with, with all those guys in that lineup. But 
just I think the experience takes them over the edge here for the Spurs, and they already won the first game. So, yeah, no, I, I have the Spurs winning in, in a hard-fought seven. Is there anybody out there that believes in the Denver Nuggets? Anybody? Cause... Yep. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I am going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to pick the Denver Nuggets to win at seven. I think that Jokic and Murray, they are ballers. They will affect the game, games two and beyond. I got them in seven games. I just, I'm just not, for some reason, I'm just not afraid of this Spurs team for some reason. I don't know why. Now, I will say this. I'm glad that DeMar DeRozan is in, is with the San Antonio Spurs. I think that he'll play better in the playoffs than what he did in Toronto. Coach Pop, he don't play that. You're not gonna not gonna have off nights with Coach Pop. But I just I just think the talent in this series will prevail. I'm I'm picking the Nuggets in seven games. Moving on to the last matchup here in the Western Conference Finals, we have in the Western Conference. Excuse me, we have the three seed Portland Trail Blazers against the six seed Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm picking the Thunder in this matchup. I'm picking them in about six or seven games. I think Paul George, who is an MVP candidate, is going to be a game changer. Uh, he's going to go off against them. They just have the better team, in my opinion, overall. They've won all three matchups this year in the regular season against the Blazers, and I think that's going to um, show in this series. Now, the Blazers are a 1-0, but I'm not going to worry too much about that. Ben, who do you have in this matchup? Yeah, I've got the Thunder. Uh, I think the the Trailblazers are definitely capable of winning this series, uh, which is why I think it will go to seven games, but I have the Thunder taking it. Uh, but just, just in terms of, you know, you have Russ, you have Steven Adams, you have Paul George, who's been having a really good season, despite, you know, a tough uh, final leg of that season. Uh, but he has been MVP caliber for most of that season. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to finish top three, top five in MVP voting. Uh, having those guys in that lineup, along with, you know, some key role players like Jeremy Grant, guys like that, I think even though the Trailblazers are definitely good with Dame, with, you know, with uh, Ennis Canner, with CJ McCollum in the lineup, I think. The Thunder are going to take this one in uh, in seven games, even though the the Trailblazers didn't did win that first matchup today. Mike, who you have? I have the Thunder over the Blazers in seven. Um, I know the Blazers are the higher seed and the Thunder are the lower seed, but I don't think it would be an upset for the Thunder to win. Anyways, I think the Thunder are the better team. I think they're healthier than the Blazers. And I think they should win, but. Man, after seeing this first game and remembering that the Thunder haven't been out the first round since K since KD left, man, I really hope the Thunder don't blow this to the Blazers. Damian Lillard can get hot as good as about as hot as anyone. So so can CJ McCollum and his canner went off on them today. So yeah, it's tough for me to watch OKC struggle like this, and they should win this series, but I think they're going to make it tough on themselves. I think this series goes seven. I'm going to pick the Thunder to win, but, I, man, I wouldn't be surprised if they got upset. All right, and that was our segment for the NBA playoffs first-round series. Uh, 
let us know what do you think who did y'all pick as far as these matchups are concerned but let's move on to something that came out of the golden state warriors and the los angeles clippers game this time durant and a foul call on durant who barks at him durant they're both out they've both been just thrown out of the game double technicals which is automatic because it's a second check for both and this would have been just a check on Durant by going towards Beverly. But once Beverly gets up and does his part, then that's both guys. Kevin Durant got into it with Patrick Beverly, of all people. What happened was Kevin Durant pushed Patrick Beverly down to the floor. And Patrick Beverly got up, got in his face. Referees intervened, and both players were kicked out the game. The Golden State Warriors still won the game, but... You know, this does rev up the series a little bit. And KD went on to say that he respects Pat Beverly. Uh, Mike, let's get your take on this Kevin Durant versus Patrick Beverly beef. What What do you have to say about this? <laughs> it was, It's funny. I mean, <laughs> I, I like Patrick Beverly. I've always liked him. I especially liked him in Houston. I wish he would have stayed there. I have no problem with this little beef. I also don't take it too serious. It's just the way Pat Beverly has, has always played and how he's going to play. And, you know, ever since KD's come to the Warriors, you know, he's a tough guy now. So that's that's what he does. He likes to trash talk. He locks, He likes to jaw back and forth. And I feel like KD's in a position where, hey, it's okay for him to do that. You know why? Because if I get tossed out, we're still probably going to win because – <laughs> because the Warriors are just that good. So I thought it was funny. I like to see that. I like the chippiness back and forth. I had no problem with it. I, I like the I like the little beefs. Yeah, this is this playoff basketball. Of course it's right, hard. exactly. Emotions are high, tensions are high, and you know, Pat Beverly, he's a, a, a feisty guy. Feisty. He gets in everybody's face. He's always in the best player faces and he's not gonna back down. Yeah, KD, now he's taking on that tough guy role, so he's not going to back down. I think it's just a little fun, a little beef. But at the end of the day, both guys respect each other, I'm sure. that uh, Ben, what do you think about this little uh, beef between KD and Pat Bev? Yeah, no, like both you guys said, I, I, I like Pat Bev. I have a lot of respect for him because he's such a tough guy, because he's such a scrappy guy. Uh, and I don't take this beef too seriously whatsoever, especially since KD spoke up post-game about how he respects him. I do think, though, contrarily to what, to what, to what Michael said, KD getting booted, if it's a closer game and if it's a more important game, uh, could hurt the Warriors potentially later down the road, depending on who they're playing. But I think, you know, this is a first-round matchup. They're playing the Clippers. They were already up like 12 with not that much time left when uh, when he got ejected. So I, I I don't really take this too seriously. And I, I like that Pat Bev doesn't back down from anyone, like you said. And I, I think backing down from KD, I, I wouldn't back down from KD. I mean, what, what was KD, like seven feet? Uh, but Pat Bev, no, seriously, though, he, he, he doesn't back down from anyone. And I respect that about him, even bigger guys like, like Boogie and guys like that. Uh, so, no, I have a lot of respect for Pat Bev, less respect for KD, but I have no problem with either of them, you know, in this scenario. Uh, let me pose this question right here. You mentioned, Ben, you mentioned that if it was a closer game, you know, it could have been a potential loss for the Golden State Warriors not having Kevin Durant on the floor. So, which player is more important to their team in this round? Patrick Bailey for the Clippers 
or Kevin Durant for the Warriors? What do you think, Ben? I think in this series, I'd say surprisingly, Patrick Beverly is uh, more important to the Clippers just because if KD, if KD is not a part of this series, I think Steph could go for easily 35-plus a game. I think Clay could do the same. I think Draymond, you know, would hold it down defensively, and he could do some stuff on offense too, and I think Boogie would take over as well. So I don't think in this series it would be an issue for KD to not be a part of that. And the same, the same with the Clippers. I don't think Patrick Beverly is the most important player on that team. But I think in terms of mor- morale and just him being uh, like an emotional, spiritual leader for that team, it, w- it would hurt in this series. But, you know, if the Warriors were playing the Rockets, I would be more concerned about KD not being there. But in this case, I'd say Pat- Patrick Beverly uh, not being a part of this series would hurt, would hurt the-, the Clippers more than losing KD would hurt the Warriors. Mike, what do you think? I agree, Patrick Beverly. Um, you know, <laughs> the Warriors half the time look better without KD on the court. Uh, the Clippers don't have a superstar; they don't have many options. So, getting rid of their best perimeter defender going against the Warriors probably isn't smart. And for also all those reasons, like Ben said, uh, Pat Pat Bev is the morale of the team. He gets them going. He's that energy on the defensive end. He sets the tone like that. So, even though they have no chance in this series, I think Pat Bev is definitely more important to his team than KD's, KD is to the Warriors during this first round. All right, and let's move on to our final topic for tonight. It's going to be a two-part topic, retirements for two NBA legends. We have Dirk Nowitzki and we have Dwayne Wade. We're going to start with Dirk in the sense of that he's retiring. We all know that, but it could be more so because the fans and the media is pushing him to retire. He kind of was waning back and forth on whether to come back next year or not, but it seems like the fans and the media wants him to retire for some reason. Uh, let's try to solve this mystery right here. Mike, let's start with you. Did the fans and the media push Dirk into retirement? Um, no, I don't think so. I know he wasn't quite clear on whether he was or he wasn't at first, but at the end of the day, you know, Dirk, Dirk's a grown man. I, I think he made his own decision, and at the end of the year, he decided to pack up. Now, was it a little premature to maybe have all the farewells and all this and that? It might have been, but at the same time, Dirk is such an iconic player. I think that the NBA saw this as an opportunity well we he doesn't know so what if at the end of the year he does retire then we didn't appreciate his last season so they went they went ahead and they're starting to post the videos and the tributes and all the things of that nature so no i don't think the fans and the media have forced him to retire i think he made that decision on his own and um i have no problem with that i think it was time ben what do you think i mean i think they could have played a part i think him seeing how much people you know, appreciate him and him looking at his at his own performance, and then at the you know the the love the fans are showing him, and they're expecting him to retire. I think it maybe played a small part, but regardless, it was his time. Uh, he was looking slow out there, but I'm glad that he went out the way he did with that 30 point performance. Uh, and you know, just a little side note that just came to me. 
people have been doing this for Vince for a long time. Vince is what closing on forty two now. Right, he's and old. The past the past few seasons, people have been giving him tribute videos, and people have given me have been giving him standing ovations, and that doesn't really change anything for him. He's he's looking at another season, I think next year, which is insane. But uh, you know, people have been giving him tribute videos for the past few years, and it didn't really have any sort of effect on his decision whether to retire or not. So I don't think, like maybe it's small part in Dirk's retirement, but uh, at the end of the day, I don't I don't think it was the the end all be all of his decision. I don't think it was a huge factor. I think I think his retirement has been pushed this year. It's, it's been a little bit forced upon him, but for good reason though. Like Mike said, um, we want to take the time out to appreciate everything that Dirk has done for the league. Um, like I mentioned before, he's a trailblazer for all European players. If it wasn't for Dirk, you probably wouldn't hear of 90% of these guys. But I think that the media and the fans did push him for retirement. And in a way, I kind of did because it, this is like a tough thing to go out on. He's not playing at the level that we used to, that we are accustomed to seeing him play. And... Yeah, he has slowed down. He's coming off the bench. It, it is a tough thing, tough pill to uh, swallow. But, you know, I I felt this whole year like this was Dirk's final year in the NBA. And I'm glad he had that that game, that performance that he put on. And it was a, it's a perfect cherry on top to an outstanding career. But let's move on to Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade said all year that this was his final year, he was going to retire, he's done. But people think that he has a few years left in him, like he could play for a few more years. Uh, ben, do you think Dwayne Wade could have played a few more years? Yeah, no, he, he, he definitely could play longer, at least another couple years. Uh, but I get where he's coming from, I get where why he wants to retire. He wants to go out as a good player in good shape. <laughs> And obviously, no disrespect to Dirk. I love Dirk. I think he had an incredible career. And I'm glad he stuck around for so long. But to D. Wade's point, he wants to be, you know, he wants to retire as still a key player for his team, as, you know, getting a lot of minutes for his team and still being able to play the game he loves to to the best of his ability, you know, as, as opposed to being a bench player, only getting sometimes garbage time minutes, not really being in the best of shape. Uh, so I, I get why he did it, and again, love D Wade. I think he had an incredible, an incredible career. Uh, I'm glad he finished with the triple double uh, in that last game. And this is kind of unrelated, but I've now just because of that that last game of his in Miami, I have a huge woman crush, celebrity crush, whatever you want to call it, on Gabby Union. <laughs> did you see how she was getting hyped with him? You're late. I'm late. You're late. <laughs> You're late on that. <laughs> I've I've known she's you know she's super cute whatever from time, but yeah, she slapped his butt, and she was doing the three point celebrations. I I don't remember if it was the arrow or not with him. And that's like that's ideal. That's like the dream woman for me. So, uh, no, that was that was cool to see, and uh, his son being out there with him was cool too. He could play longer, but no, I. I have no problem with him retiring, and I'm I'm glad he had such a good career, such a good last game. 
I think that it is time for him, and I don't want to see him play in the NBA for another few years just because, uh, like, with Dirk, I'm used to seeing Dwayne Wade playing at a high level, and I think this is the perfect way for him to go out. Now, I know that he didn't go to the playoffs like he wanted to, but, um, you know, he is going out with his body still intact. We all know players, as they age, they break down, and then they have health problems years after they retire so he's going out in good health and he's happy that he has made that decision and i'm happy for him one hell of a player and gabby union is oh <laughs> uh, mike what do you think um i agree with both of you i i think uh he could still play if he wanted to you know if he was if the heat were like in championship contending i think he would definitely come back or something of that nature but like you guys said i I think it was time for him to give it up i think you know the injuries have been catching up to him for a while and i think he wants to go and enjoy life after basketball so i have no problem with him making that decision but if it came down to it and i think the certain situation was right i think he could come back and provide some solid production some veteran mentorship for a team coming off the bench so yeah, he could probably still play for another couple of years, but man, what a career! And I'm glad he's you know he's he's pursuing what he wants to do after the NBA life. So, uh, shouts out to D Wade for that. Can somebody tell me when Vince Carter is going to retire? Never, 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 never. <laughs> never. <laughs> he's trying to go on for forever. It's crazy because he doesn't. He doesn't even want to play for a, a play a playoff team though. He's not even trying to get on the team tonight. He said that's not him. He just wants to to hoop. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I would like to see Vince get a ring though. I'd be happy if he got Definitely. a ring. But yeah, but yeah. hey, it's it's whatever. If that's what he wants, that's what he wants. I think he should play one more year in Toronto. Go back to Toronto. Oh yeah, they probably sign him. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd be happy with that. Even a, even a ten day or something like that. All right, well, this was the end of our show. Shout out to Jordan. We hope that you come back next week. From Ben and from Michael, I'm Stacey Carter II. And until next time, we're signing out. You're tuned in to Last Word Radio. Last Word on Sports.com. And that is the last, last word.